He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. I still am in love with the idea that one hour in any direction and I can be in different countries, cultures, histories. In the last few years, there's been a cultural shift. You know, France has been returning all manner of, let's say, collected items from its museums back to um, Africa. So there has been a shift that's been accelerated with with Black Lives Matter, shining the, the spotlight on some of those houses, you know, how much of those National Trust properties were built on the funds made from slavery. The dilemma, I suppose, was after the fire, are they going to rebuild Clandon House? That became the priority to them. E ngā mana e ngā reo, nau mai haramai ki tēnei kaupapa kōrero ko Tiahika. He pakumatapihi tēnei ki te ao Māori. This is episode four in our series about Henemihi Te Ao Tawhito, a whare built in 1881. It sheltered people of Ngāti Henemihi during the Tarawera eruption of 1886, all of whom survived. After the eruption displaced the people of Te Wairua, in 1892 the house was acquired by Lord of Onslow, William Hillier. It was dismantled. A consignment of 23 carvings were shipped to England, where the carvings remain today. Now in the first three episodes of this series we presented stories from here in Aotearoa, the prospect of an exchange of carvings supported by the National Trust. The collective Ngā Kohinga Whakairo or Henemihi have hosted familiarisation sessions or wānanga, connecting the likes of Te Maru or Henemihi, Pauhere Taonga and the National Trust about the future exchange. But in this week's episode, we head to England via Zoom. We join Chris Reynolds and Nadia Pavlov, who are both part of the group Maramara Totara, a London-based whare tūtaua or Mauraco weaponry school. We hear more from Dr Anthony Hoite, former chair of Te Maru o Hinemihi, and end this week's kōrero with Jim Schuster. Iakumanu taki, iakumanu taiko, no mai ki tēnei hōtaka a tiahika, ko Justin Murray, ahau. Chris Reynolds is an Englishman born in South East London. He is part of the community that support Hinemihi. Now, as a member of Maramara Totara, the group Teach Modako, and in the past they've been part of the Pōhiri or events at Hinemihi. Now, Chris supports the move to update the whare so they can host future wānanga. Nadia Pavlov has lived in London for 26 years and still thrives on the opportunities that living in Europe brings. We join them both in London via Zoom. I think it was not until 2002 I was uh, introduced to, it was actually Hinemihi, uh, that was the introduction and uh, I was at the uh, Hangi. So that's one of the reasons why she's quite important to me, that um, this is where I discovered Maori culture. <laughs> So I just got completely blown away and, um, you know, the old hairs on the back of the neck went up and uh, it was just amazing. So, and uh, obviously we had the uh, the full uh, poor hitty. So it was my Maori journey began from, from there, really from, from 2003, I think that, that was actually. That's, that's a bit about me. That's So I don't really have any Kiwi or Maori connections, but um, I think I've got a bit of a... Maori heart. When you think of Hinemihi's story, what kind of comes to your mind? 
Well, we've kind of split both ways, really, actually. And the argument about her going home or um, or staying here, I can see both sides of the, you know, the argument, really. But um, I think because of her history and what she represents over here, I'd like to see her stay. Obviously, the, the, the Maori culture around the Fari Nui being a being represented as a as a human you know so that's a bit strange to kind of get head around at the beginning that well that's one of the most important things for me that that's who I met at the beginning. Nadia Pavlov has whakapapa links to Ngāti Maniapoto, Tainui Waka and the Haupapa whānau. Nadia has called England home for 26 years. I still to this day even though we're not traveling much because of lockdowns and COVID and all this kind of carry on I still am in love with the idea that one hour in any direction and I can be in different countries, cultures, histories. Um, I can get on my bike, motorbike, I can take a ferry for half an hour and be in France. And in a day I can go riding anywhere, you know, and just be on the side of other side of Europe or something. And I still haven't fallen out of love with that. Maramara Totara, as I understand, uh, a school like a whare tūtaua, kapahaka in there with weaponry. Can you explain Maramara Totara? It was Ngāti Rānana, Ana Wānanga, and a, a few of the tāne were practising maurāko. And one of them, uh, one of the wahine said, oh, can you teach us? And they were like, sorry, we can't. And then um, Katea, Katea Burrows. Um, was there and she said, well, actually I can, or I might be able to. So Kat was um, of Whare Tutoa Māori School of Ancient uh, Māori Weaponry and she was Pautoru at that time. And so she asked her kaiapō, would she be allowed to do that? And they said yes. And so um, the Modako Fano came to be. So under her, uh, Wahine and Tanima uh, were learning. Um, and they went for their first grading. And so it, it came from there. It, it was born out of that. And then we were having um, a mock grading in another part of England called Malvern Hills. And she said to a couple of the Tane, and that was Curtis Bristow and Cedric Kappa. And they said, uh, she said to them, you colours come up with a name for us. And they uh, thought of Maramara Totara and the, the corridor behind it was that um, when a carver is uh, selecting, um, sorry, when they're carving, they will uh, take the wood chips and the sawdust, et cetera, from their carving and they return it back to the tree, <clears throat> to the base of the tree. And so the, the gist of it being that we will all return to our trees. We'll all return home wherever that home may be. And, yeah, so that's how the name came about and that's how they were, the yeah, the whānau was born mm. and they had their, their first grading and uh, and it went forward from there. And sorry, Chris, can you help me out? Was it yeah, 2002, Chris. 2003? Well, 2002, you're, you're right. Uh, I mean, you were the one of the founding, founding members, really, weren't you? I, I, was, I was at the start, but yeah. I was um, fluttering around, so <laughs> to speak. I wasn't serious until a little later. Until their second grading, that's when I got serious. Yeah, I think the first grading was it two thousand three, wasn't it? Then two thousand four, mm. I I started in two thousand four, 
and did my first grade in 2005. So, so how does the group Maramara Totara connect to Henemihi in, in the sense of your mahi, your whare tūtaua? How does she connect in that respect, Chris? We were quite closely connected with uh, Ngāti Rārana. So we would go along to um, to Hinemihi any time there was a kind of, um, a kind of gig or uh, event going on there. So that's why we, we regularly went along for the uh, for the hangi. Now every year on the 10th of June, the anniversary of the Tarawera eruption, an annual hangi day is hosted by Ngāti Rānana, held at Clandon Park. The event attracts well over 300 people. Nadia, how do you think Maramara Totara connects to, to Henemihi? I think originally from, as Chris mentioned, we're all um, originally from Ngāti Dānana. And because um, Ngāti Dānana had the seeds, if you like, of Henemihi, and then it's it's taking that and creating your own with it. So um, Kataya, she'd say, OK, we're going to have next training at Henemihi. And we'd figure out how to get there. If you had a car, you know, you'd take other people. We'd take all our training gears. And she'd always say to Ngāti Dā uh, at Pānui, for example, OK, fellas, we're going to go train at Enemhi on Sunday. You know, come one, come all if you want. And um, and so we'd always have whānau around. They'd bring their kids because it's, it's a big open space with yes. where she is. It's on a, a lovely field and what have you. And, and so we'd have our training and then we'd have um, kai, um and and then you play around, just relax. That was um, often a part. I'm hoping that I'm, I'm answering your question there. Yeah. Um, I think that we all found out about Hinamahi from Ngāti Dānana um, and then took it on as our own to take uh, our own spirit and, and what have you and to keep her company, not instead of, but as well as. Today the carvings are in safe storage. The house or the structure at Clandon Park currently has large-scale photos on the outside to replicate the carvings. For Nakohinga Fukaira or Hinemihi, they have a goal in mind for the exchange in 2025. How you feel about the, the, the carvings coming home to Aotearoa and how you both feel about that? Uh, I'm in two minds. Um, one in the mind of um, she should go home back into the bosom of the the whānau Um, and then on the other side selfishly I loved seeing element of Māori outside of uh, outside of New Zealand to me when you're in New Zealand you don't think or I didn't think pardon me that that the world even knew anything about Māori. If they knew rugby, then yeah, okay. But if they didn't, then they didn't know anything about us. And we were just this pockets of people in some far and far flung forgotten place. So to go to Clandon Park or even to, to know about Ngati Dānata really mm. uh, was awe-inspiring and really opened my eyes, opened my horizons. Um in the wider context of where Māori can sit in the world. We do have a place, but when you're in New Zealand, you don't know that, or I never did. And Mm -hmm. seeing Hinamehi where she's nestled um, in these grounds, um, to me, she's not hiding away. She's she's just um, a nice cosy corner of 
for herself, so to speak, and how she was found um, when the uh, house was commandeered as a hospital. Um, I can't imagine how, um, I don't, I would have thought that they would have been glad to see her, the Māori battalion soldiers who saw her. Yeah. Okay, she wasn't in the nice grey, dry place where she is now. She was being used as a boathouse, um, which is not wood friendly. <laughs> but um, but anyway, just the the wonderment and of that, and being having something to focus on to move her to um, to a better place for for the building itself, and having this wonderful history. Um, on the other side of the world, to me, was just amazing because the the story of her is is not um, forgotten. It's not buried. Um, it's um, I think that National Trust are quite sensitive about it um, and telling anyone who wants to read about it, which is great. But there is the respect there of that um, diaspora in England that have that connection to her as well. And she's been there for 130 years. She was only in Tewairu, I think, for about five before the eruption. Anyway, mm-hmm. Chris, any response to to that question as well? How do you feel about, uh, uh, you know, Hinemahi, um, should she come home? Well, there's, various, there's been various kind of conversations about uh, the, the carvings coming back and then new carvings being done yes to, re- to replace them yeah i'm a bit like nadia really i can see both sides of the uh, the argument um but certainly it was i mean it's great actually working on the carvings because we used to be they have a maintenance we used to have a maintenance day before the hungry you know the car the weekend yeah. beforehand we get all and the uh it's the university wasn't it um nadia? yes that uh, they used to go down there, and we, you'd be using kind of swabs and distilled water to clean all the <laughs> clean all the oh, wood. <laughs> yes, all the moss, all the moss out and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. All, all the green. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, yeah, sorry. Okay. I was going to say I can't remember what the students. Oh, I think it was conservation actually, and that was particularly special for them to have a living, breathing sample that wasn't in a um, a museum. And they absolutely relished in the history of and the story of um, Hinemahi. They loved meeting us, but having this special relationship with Hinemahi and, and what have you. So, yeah, as Chris said, that was maintenance day was before every annual um, uh, hangi. I know, and I've heard, I've heard about these annual hangi days where Jim Schuster talked about hundreds of people coming and the kohanga yes. performing, and yes. it's a real day, and, and it sounds fabulous. <laughs> it was my favourite day of the year. A lot of work, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, because the, the tāne are there at stupid o'clock digging the pits and fire and, you know, all the work that goes in with uh, cooking the kai. And um, and then all the entertainment like uh, kohanga, um, their performances that they've practiced hard for. Kia ora, wo keitua tuki tēra, tēnā kōrua, uh, ko kōrua kua whai wānei te kōrero mai ki tēnei hōtaka e pāna ki a hinemihi te kuia, a hinemihi te autawhito. Uh, from Aotearoa, thank you so much, Chris Reynolds and uh, Nadia Pavlov, um, for joining uh, this series for Tiahika. Thank you so, so much, and um, stay well in your bubbles. I'm not too sure if you have bubbles there. <laughs> 
<laughs> we have bubbles here. Oh, okay, and, great. Uh, yeah, and yeah, all the Hope you um, hope Paltiaroa manages to uh, stamp it out again. Tina Korua, Chris Reynolds, and Nadia Pavlov of the Morako School in London, Maramara Totara, Naira Temihi Kiakorua Tahi. Now don't forget you can listen to the first three episodes of the series to learn more about the history of Henemihi Tautafito. Dr. Anthony Hoite is Professor of Architecture Māori at the University of Auckland. He returned home after 30 years in London. As the former chair of Te Maru o Henemihi, he supports aspirations of the exchange, a new whare, one that can be utilised by the community in London. The National Trust acquired Henemihi in 1956. Now part of Te Maru o Henemihi's role is to oversee the return of the carvings while being part of the conversations with Tuhorangi and Ngāti Henemihi. Uh, Te Maru o Henemihi is not the uh, is not the voice, or you know, we um, literally is Te Maru in the embrace, and we were basically just looking after her. So therefore, if there is a calling, our desires become you know um, less significant because we're not the authority here. You know, we're not. We, she doesn't fuck up up to us. Of course, there is a um, there is a yearning, and of course, it'd be a great sadness you can imagine. So that is why nobody. And the United Kingdom wants to lose the idea of a fare full stop because that is provided. Um, you know, when the New Zealand uh, Olympic team went over, they went there. They we said talked to the Maori Battalion. You know, she was also a kind of um, a kind of contact point in some ways for New Zealand communities which have come mm-hmm. in and through. And that is why it's important to understand what might happen with whatever fare for export. And, and then that's why it's an ongoing discussion. Dr Hoite talks about the National Trust and the support of the exchange. And eventually the National Trust bought into the idea of her whakaro could be returned um, and retired, or, or as deemed fit by the EU authority here. And in return, we'd hoped that a co-designed, co-papa could have been set up such that a, an export, a whare for export could have been designed and created but that's a, with the shared narratives of both uh, the legacy of Hanamahi, both in Aotearoa and, and the United Kingdom. So that, that also suggested that the future of the whare could be innovative, you know, because how do you do a Paniwi designed whare? So we had this strategy um, that quite, a, quite a while ago, almost 10 years ago, of right. five, um, I call them the five R's, where the first R, R1, is repair, the second one was. Uh, Restore, and that's restore the so R1, the repair the roof, R2, restore the carvings, yeah. R3 was to reuse so you could allow people to stay overnight. Yeah. Uh, R4, as I'd mentioned, was to somehow provide a temporary awning which allowed waiata and kapahaka and performance, oh, yeah, yeah. performance to happen out front. And then the last one was R5, which actually originally was to relocate. Now, at the time, we weren't thinking relocate between... <laughs> Relocate between, say, maybe uh, Surrey and, and London. So, so one of the tricky things which affected how you know how to keep Hinema here alive was you can imagine the New Zealand and Maori community who go to live in the United Kingdom will be principally living in and around London, right? right. That's where Nati Rana, that's where the uh, Kapahaka, that's where the you know the usual Wednesday six o'clock in uh, New Zealand house. And that's where you know a lot of young people coming over doing their two-week stint. They're all going to be based in London, so there was sort of validity in the idea that 
she could be relocated. And so we did speculate at some point, particularly in the run-up to the 2012 London Olympics. And I know I threw down a widow in about 2010 and saying, well, 2012 Olympics are coming. They're talking about building the London Stadium. Surely we can sort out Hinamihi by then. And, of course, that didn't happen. But So that's what they relocate. So I think it was a relocate was more like, could she be somewhere else? But, of course... Um, now we're talking about, you know, transglobal relocation. There has been a shift that's been accelerated with, with Black Lives Matter and mm. also shining the, the spotlight on some of those houses, you know, how much of those National Trust properties were built on the funds made from um, slavery, for example. So that's all come to light because the, so the political impetus has changed and I've been, you know, I keep getting asked what have I what sort of transformations have I seen in the 30 years away? I think it's beautiful to hear and see um, the presence of Aotearoa Māori uh, in a more centralised mainstream, which is fantastic. Um, and again, I think that's part of the you know slow transformation of global politics, which is great to see. You know, really amazing to see the, the transcolonisation of Aotearoa and the prevalence of uh, you know it's no longer an apology to talk about Māori tanga now. No, it's a credential, you know. So that's fantastic, and so that's really, you know, look at me, you know, as a Maori architecture professor, and that wasn't didn't happen, you know. And I have to thank my colleague um, Professor Deirdre Brown for bringing me back. But there was, you know, prior to you coming in, I was writing a studio brief for 120 uh, second year students, where they will study papakainga. Wow. They will ask what's what is Tino Rangatiratanga, and you may have to understand. It's not the Maori from the architecture school is still less than five percent. So a lot of things have changed, but in the university there is not much transformation of Maori within the universities. Okay, maybe across the road at Unitech it's probably sorry AUT is probably better, but um, you know University of Auckland is uh, the country's leading, according to stats, leading yeah. university. But we need to change the admissions policy such that more Māori are admitted into university and we can do that if uh, Mataoranga Māori is recognised so that kids coming in knowing kapahaka, knowing their whakapapa mm. knowing all kinds of things, if that is recognised formally at the admissions point we'll get them more in and then once in there has to be a shift of, of content so there's more Māori content within the schools. Tēnā koe, Dr Anthony Hoite, Professor Architecture Māori at the University of Auckland, former Chair of Te Maru Ohenemehi, no Ngāti Awa, Ngāti Rānana, Te Patuai. Now, there's a sense of optimism about the exchange of carvings and a new whare in England. The question really is when this can all happen. The two biggest impacts upon the discussion is the 2015 fire at Clandon House and the COVID-19 pandemic. Jim Schuster says he's ready to hand over the reins for others to pick up the tono, or the mission, so to speak, to work towards the return of the whakairo. Now, there's a few moving parts to the story because it is political in a sense. The stakeholders include the Ministry of Culture and Heritage, Te Maru Hinemihi, the National Trust, not to mention iwi and hapu in Rotorua. We end this week's show with Jim Schuster. To get her home, what needs to happen? It's probably a bit of a lead-up to that because the dilemma, I suppose, was after the fire, are they going to rebuild Clandon House? That became the priority to them. And it was only insured for something like $69 million. But to rebuild it to what it was, 
was going to be something like 600 million. Just, just, it was so badly damaged. Now, the other thing is that all the historic artifacts and relics of, of Guildford history were burnt. All the furniture that was in the house, all the beautiful things that you went to see in, if you went on a tour of the house, were all lost. They were all crushed down. So it, to, it would never be restored to its original because so many things were destroyed. All the little trinkets and china things around in display rooms, gone. The, uh, another option they've discussed is just leaving it as a ruins because there's lots of ruins around England and people go to visit a ruined castle. <laughs> they, and they, they, they tell the history of a ruined castle and who lived there and all those things, but the ruin is still there. It's like probably going to see the buried village. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, when Ngāti Hinami at Ngāpuna started to... Uh, they set up a group and they went across. Just before COVID, they went across and they... To England. To England and sat with the National Trust and met with the Guildford Borough Council and it was all positive kōrero. Uh, Heritage New Zealand became involved and our kaihotu at the time, Tekenehi Taylor, who was partly of Ngāti Huia at Ōtaki, went across uh, as well and they negotiated with the National Trust. So the wheels started turning. Another thing that was helped our tono, I suppose, is Jacinda being the Minister of Culture and Heritage at the time. We had the backing here. Not only her, there was, I mean, in uh, Te Papa, you know, we were getting support from higher places. Te Papa, Te Puni Kōkiri, you know, you get a few sirs too, like Ta Toby Curtis, Ta John Clark, they were all... Or Kahurangi, Nader, Glavish, they were all, you know, supporting the the tunnel for her to come home. So suddenly the National Trust really had to sit up and listen because the pressure's it was, there. The pressure's there. Mm, and as long as the, the communication doesn't stop, no, that's that's, that's, that's right. Well, COVID has killed a bit oh, of it. Oh yeah, true. We couldn't go on some of the other visits we had planned. The group Ngati Enemy group from Ngāpuna started to come to the fore and I said look I'll quite happily step back you fellas you take the role take over the role I've done done my years <laughs> I've done my years doing, and I said I'm quite happy to hand over the reins to you I'll be here to Totoko or you from the, but time to mm. let the young blood so Rangitihi Pene Ruakiri Fair Hall they're the new New kids on the block. <laughs> so if we could talk about your mahi with Pauhere Taonga, kia ora. Well, I, I, uh, I was a teacher for 30-odd years, and then I, I needed a change. I needed a break break from teaching and kids. And I said to you, my, my wife's first cousin was Dean Whiting, and he was always up here because there's so many whareinuis in this in this area, in this rohe, mm. uh, including Rotorua, Whakatāne, you know, the, the east, Eastern Bay Plenty, there's more whareinuis in this, oh, and Waikato, mm. in this rohe than there are around the rest of New Zealand, you, together, because they just, the concentration of them is, uh, 
so great. It, probably because this is where all the carvers were, so they've mm. carved whares sure. more so even. But he'd been looking for someone to restore the tukutuku panels in the Rakeau whare down at uh, Rotuiti on the shores of the lake. And I, I'd given my notice into the Rotorua Lakes High School <laughs> principal and I said, I'm finishing at the end of uh, when the term ends and I'm not coming back. <laughs> and I gave my notice and then, because Dean had been looking and I said, you got any work at uh, Historic Places Trust? It was still there. And he said, oh, I'm looking for somebody to do the restore the tukutuku in uh, Rakea. And I said, how much is it paying? And he said, oh, about three, three grand, three K for probably about three weeks' work. And I said, that's me, I'll take that. <laughs> so I started, because I'd done tukutuku before. I'd learned tukutuku beside my mum. She was a weaver, and, and she'd done tukutuku all through the, this area. She went round to help Marais restore their tukutuku or create new tukutuku. But she, yeah, I mean, I still go to Marae now to do restoration work, and they say, oh, your mother's been here. And I said, oh, yeah, what did she do here? Oh, she taught us how to make pupus. Oh, oh, she taught us how to do fariki. So, yeah, I'm sort of following her around, really. <laughs> but it's good because people, know, when I say Schuster, they said, oh, what was Emily to you? She's already paved the way for me to come in and the people already know, oh, yeah, she did good things here. So I said, well, I've come to do the same. Tēnā koe e te rangatira, Jim Schuster, nō Ngāti Hinemehi, Tūhaurangi, Ngāti Tarawhai. Next week in the final episode of the series... My um, relationship with with Hinemehi goes way back. Um, I've been here a long time. <laughs> um, in fact, I, I had heard about Hinemehi before I even left New Zealand... Um, as an Ngāti Rānana member, we in the past performed a couple of times a year when the National Trust did their showcase day, if you like, of Hinemehi, and so we went out to Taupoko and support that and to support her. Te kohangareo o Ngāti Rānana beats Pacifica and Ngāti Rānana whānau talk about their aspirations for Hinemehi and what this means for their future. A special mention to this week's contributors, Dr. Anthony Hoite, Nadia Pavlov, Chris Reynolds and Jim Schuster. For more information about tonight's show, head to rnz.co.nz slash tiahika. Subscribe to the podcast, RNZ Tiahika on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you access your podcasts. Kanui te mihi kia koutou katoa kia haumaru te noho, tēnā tātou katoa.